Warm intros run the world. It's how humans translate trust with each other. If you want to break into a network, get someone from that network to vouch for you, and getting in is much easier. With that said, I don't know how this has happened, but in 2023, getting a warm intro has never been harder. There are thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people aiming to get into very exclusive networks, and the warm intro model isn't effective anymore. There's too much noise for the signal. So if you are a professional, if you're someone that wants to expand your network, what is someone to do? Well, you could spend your time cold emailing, sending LinkedIn emails, and hoping one of 100 people replies to get you a coffee meeting that leads nowhere, or you could do something different. And today's episode is sponsored by SeedScout, which allows you to do something different. SeedScout is a platform that allows you to request introductions to other people on the network with a click of a button. No more sending long emails, no more sending, doing all this research, right? It's simple. You send an intro request. If they want to meet you, they accept, and you're instantly introduced. SeedScout is an alternative way to expand your network that gives someone more context than a cold email, but it's faster to achieve than that warm introduction. So if you are a sick of spending hours, days, weeks, months, even years trying to break into new networks and you just want to try something new, I would check out seedscout.com, S-E-E-D, scout.com. Let's get into today's episode and thanks for listening. What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention, at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin of stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical scale yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies, and the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus, so if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kund, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews, so check it out. Enjoy the repository, and for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking talking to Sven Radovics, who's the founder of Intribe. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Hi, Matt. Going really good. Uh, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, excited to have you on the pod. Looking forward to learning more about what you are working on. For people that haven't heard of your company, what are you working on? What is Intribe? So Intribe, the one-liner, is uh, Tinder for brand partnerships. Uh, we really solve uh, rising customer acquisition costs. By making partnerships easier. Cool. So everyone in the world that runs a business wants to uh, not have a super high CAC, right? They want to like be able to like acquire customers profitably. So help us understand how how does your product work? You can walk through the brand side, walk through the other side, like, but just kind of dive a little deeper and how how companies can do that on your platform. Sure. So you know the one liner being Tinder for brand partnerships. Uh, you know really talks about the essentials of discovery and connection. Uh, you know, in reality, it's a little bit more like LinkedIn, uh, but, you know, take out the recruiter spam, take out all of the other stuff, take out the personal brand building. You know, it really is uh, about discovery and connection uh, and then making all of the 
the, the busy work, the hard bit about finding and, and creating partnerships between brands, uh, automating the, all of that, the, the boring stuff, and allowing for the real human connections to flourish and, and build strong long-term partnerships. So when it comes to solving CAC, there's a couple of things. And, you know, I think the, the, the whole um, history of, of pay-per-click uh, as an industry is really interesting because, you know, it's been on, you know, quite a long journey over the last 17 or 18 years. Uh, not sure if I need to add two years uh, because of the pandemic. I usually do when I'm, when I'm quoting years. Uh, but with... Um, you know, when pay-per-click came around in the beginning, if for anybody that was there when, when Google AdWords started, uh, it was like magic. Uh, it really was like magic. Suddenly you could take your ICP, you could follow them all over the internet uh, and, you know, you're paying a cent a click uh, back in the beginning. And it was so powerful that for the longest time, you know, that is just how people thought about pay-per-click, uh, even though from day one that started changing. You know, you had more competitors enter the market, you know, main keywords got more competitive. And already from the earliest days, uh, ad blockers popped up. Now, ad blockers uh, in the beginning were really just for the uber privacy nerds uh, and they would break your, your, your websites and, and they were hard to work with. But obviously over time they got better. Uh, and then along the way, uh, not only did they get better and did more people use them, um, you started to have browsers appear that had the, the, the tracking uh, built into the browser so you didn't need to install a plugin and things got easier and easier. Uh, and really what we saw over time was death by a thousand paper cuts. You know, CAC just started slowly, you know, ticking up over time. It was small, it was incremental. There weren't any monumental shifts. Um, with those built-in browsers, it started to accelerate. Uh, and then obviously um, with iOS 14, when iOS 14 came out, you know, that was really a, a, a big shift. And to the point, you know, we know since that, that Meta or Facebook has, has got bigger issues, but the first time they ever missed their earnings call, uh, you know, Zuckerberg blamed it on, on Apple because of iOS 14, you know, was it had did have that dramatic an impact. Uh, and so that that's what's been going on. But still, for a lot of small businesses and, and even, you know, for startups and Bay Area startups, you know, 70, 80% of marketing spend goes into pay-per-click. Um, but what we're starting to see now uh, over the last two or three years is that people are finally starting to go back and look at, you know, their, their assumptions and look at the analytics uh, and realizing that it's gotten out of control. Uh, and they need to do something to dial that back and they don't know what to do. So there are two things going on is, is you know, people starting to look to diversify, uh, you know, with the impending death of the third party tracking cookie, which maybe we can talk a bit more about a little bit later. Um, but that's really starting to accelerate the conversation. Brand magazine is running around saying brand is back uh, and brands are looking to diversify. And a lot of other MarTech um, helps you know, they're kind of having a bit of a rising tide floats all boats moment. But for example, you know, SEO technology, you do the work today for, you know, benefits in the future. Uh, and, you know, referral marketing, huge fan of referral marketing, but you can't go from zero to one, you know, you need an audience to refer you to, you know, more of an audience. Um, brand partnerships, uh, particularly when, when, 
um, seen, you know, uh, as part of a diversification strategy, bring a number of things to the table. Um, one is they span the, the whole range of what you can do with pay-per-click. You know, there's an immediacy. Uh, I could meet you in a, in a coffee shop or in a bar, discover we have similar businesses, um, you know, or a similar target audience. We're not competitors. Back of the napkin, um, I could send an email to my list about your brand. You could do the same, you know, voila, in the space of a couple of hours for almost zero cost. That's a, that's a partnership campaign or a co-marketing campaign. And then you can go all the way to the other extreme where the partnerships are long-term and embedded. And, you know, Red Bull and GoPro would be a great example of that. In the beginning, they dated a little bit and they did some small campaigns, some small events, did more and more. And eventually they got to the point where they now own shares in each other. So the beauty of partnership marketing is that, you know, it can actually do two things. One, it, it's this full range of, you know, accelerated marketing, borrowing other people's audiences, basking in their brand halo. But at the same time, all the other tactics, it adds more to it. So, for example, if, if social media is, is one of your main acquisition channels, um, if you partner with another brand, you can get, you know, basically twice as much bang for buck or with two or three or four other brands. So, you know, that's what Intribe does. You know, it's solving for CAC um, and then basically leveraging um, other brands that are targeting the same audiences to get more impact. And, you know, you can share resources, you can borrow audiences, um, you know, you can help each other with all these different marketing pieces. And of all the different things you could work on, like, why is this a sector that interests you? Um, in other words, like, what's the origin story here? Why did you decide to get started with Intribe? And why ride this wave versus ride a different wave in a different market? So it's it's it, the, the origin story goes back to the 2008 to 2012 timeframe. Uh, that's where I first discovered brand partnerships. So I've been kicking around startups for a long time, started off as an engineer, built the, one of the first commercial internet service providers in Australia, uh, then joined, got involved in computer security and joined my first American tech startup as the first uh, sales engineer in APAC, and then did a career of sort of sales, sales leadership, sales and marketing, um, always, you know, often early employee at startups and early executive, um, mostly or initially they were all enterprise startups. Uh, but then um, I crossed over. I did a consumer startup uh, in this sort of 2008 to 2012 timeframe. I was running global sales for a GoPro competitor. Uh, and at the time, it was what was called the the helmet cam wars or the action cam wars, you know, just a bit like uh, Sony with uh, um, with PlayStation and Microsoft with Xbox. You know, we both had our fanboys. Most people think GoPro and Contour kind of created the market, but actually, when we came along, there were two incumbents, uh, and you know, one was uh, Oregon Scientific, had a, had a plastic action camera, and then there was this other the the big daddy in the, or the big brand in the space, um, company called Vio. Uh, what they didn't understand when they were trying to tackle the sports market uh, was about leveraging other brands and, and Contour and GoPro did that. So when we started and I wasn't initially, I wasn't responsible for anything. I was responsible for building a global sales team, opening global distribution and retail channels. Uh, but we started partnering with brands like Red Bull, 
So, you know, GoPro and Red Bull are famous now, but we actually had this partnership with Red Bull uh, in the beginning. Uh, we partnered with Burton, the snowboard company, with K2, the ski company, with Ducati, with a whole range of brands. And I got to observe as a small startup what partnering with these other brands did for our own brand. So when, you know, I was in Germany opening Media Markt, you know, which is kind of like the best buy of Europe, uh, you know, we were there, we were opening up store uh, and we would be in there with Red Bull and we'd have the Red Bull athletes in store for these activations. Uh, and this thing planted a seed um, because, you know, at that stage, no money exchanged hands. It was two brands working together. We found value uh, and offered resources to each other to grow both brands at the same time. Uh, and because I've never really, I've, I've only worked for one Bay Area tech company, but all the startups that I've worked with have been from other parts of the US, so Pacific Northwest, mostly Seattle, but also Chicago startups and Colorado startups. They've never been quite as well funded. And as a sales guy, I was never one uh, a sales guy that, that hated marketing. I think if you go into companies, you know, there's often quite a bit of friction between sales and marketing. To me, they've always been two parts of the same coin. Uh, and so I've often been there knocking on the CEO's door saying, hey, you know, marketing needs more funds. We're moving product onto shelves, into warehouses. You know, they're not moving out. You know, we need more marketing. And often the question was, what's the best type of marketing or ROI marketing you've seen? And my answer would be, hey, brand partnerships, we've got this great product. We can partner with these other brands. We can do all these things. Very, very low cost, very, very high return. And 100% of the time, I got a second job, you know, very typical startup thing. And I would be then on LinkedIn, searching, cold outreach, um, you know, just really just, you know, hunting just, you know, at the same time as, you know, hunting for sales and building a sales team. Uh, and eventually I was just like, there must be a platform for this. Uh, and I couldn't find one. So, you know, that's where the seed was planted. Um, uh, by that time, I'd started a consulting firm helping U.S. tech startups expand into Asia and into Europe. Uh, and so, you know, it was a side hustle where I kind of broke all the rules, moved way too slowly, you know, um, had a couple of co-founders that also had day jobs and one, you know, had a, you know, um, work-life balance was much more important. Uh, and so, you know, that, that's kind of where it all started and, and, and uh, got going. And if you were to kind of do, do the opposite, instead of looking back and how you got here, if you were to look into the future, um, you know, 5, 10, 15 years from now, what do you see as the big vision for Intribe? Or in other words, what direction are you rowing in? Um, and what does the world look like when Intribe is a giant company in, in 5, 10, 15 years? So a couple of things are going to happen. Uh, one is uh, next year, back half of next year, Google is going to deprecate uh, the third-party tracking cookie in Chrome. So I've been talking about death by a thousand paper cuts. Uh, Chrome still has 62% share of the browser market. Um, you know, this is one of those times, I think, where the word disruption is used appropriately. So MarTech, the whole landscape next year is going to change dramatically, obviously, with generative AI. Uh, there's a lot of change happening right now. And then on top of that, next year, you're going to have, uh, you know, even more change. And, and I'm not saying pay-per-click is going to go away, but I think, you know, it's a $28.7 billion industry in the US and, and uh, Canada right now. Uh, I think that's going to shrink. So marketing is going to diversify. Uh, so that's the first thing that's going to happen. There's going to be a lot of change. And Intribe is, I think, well positioned to take advantage of it. 
Uh, the second thing is, is that a lot of people don't really know what partnership marketing is right now. Uh, you know, people understand SEO, what it means, or pay-per-click, uh, or paid ads, um, or influencer marketing. Uh, and we can, you know, there's a whole reason why that hasn't happened, even though at a corporate level, there's not one corporate in the world that doesn't go to market with without strategic marketing partnerships. Um, so Intribe is going to, A, take advantage of that. So it's going to be some really strong tailwinds that are going to kick in next year if we're, you know, well positioned uh, when they kick in. Uh, secondly, uh, we're going to automate. So, um, you know, not so much with generative AI, uh, but predictive AI, machine learning. Um, you know, we're, we're already, we've already automated partner matching um, using more traditional technologies. A lot of people that see that think, oh, wow, you've got AI, you know. Um, we're not just jumping on that bandwagon for the sake of it. Uh, you know, we're really pulling it apart and, and trying to make sure that when we do it, we do it right. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of touched on this before. We're going to automate all the boring bits. So everything to do with, with discovery, connection, creation of a, of a partnership marketing campaign uh, will all be automated and it'll leave time for the humans uh, at the brands to build real relationships and do the more strategic work. So, you know, in Tribe, uh, you know, I don't, uh, don't really talk about it very much about being a billion dollar entity or a unicorn, uh, but if we, if we play our cards right, we could very well be. Uh, and what I see ultimately without going too deep into the future is the partnership marketing is going to be recognized by brands, you know, as, as well as, you know, influencer marketing or, you know, the other main tactics that people use. And in order to realize the vision and, and make it happen, you'll need some help, right? It takes a village to make mm -hmm. a startup work and scale from a question for you is how can the forward thinking founders community help? Are you hiring? Are you raising capital looking for partners or customers? You know, how can we assist? <laughs> All of the above really. Uh, but you know, can't do everything at once. So there's a couple of key things that I'm doing. So I am raising a pre-seed round. Uh, so, uh, and seed scout has actually already been uh, quite helpful, made a couple of uh, uh, recently in particular, a couple of really great connections. Uh, so raising capital uh, is, the, is the number one thing. And, um, and then I'm looking for two co-founders uh, as well. So I'm looking for a tech co-founder to bring the tech in-house. So uh, I had one to begin with, and then, um, you know, that didn't quite work out uh, and went the outsource path, which has been great. Uh, I have a great relationship with development out of Vietnam, um, which, uh, you know, if people aren't uh, aware, is really an up and, up and coming place for really quality tech resources, uh, but really want to bring that in-house uh, as, uh, as we develop the IP. Uh, and then secondly, a marketing co-founder. Uh, at the moment, um, I'm doing, you know, all of the marketing uh, myself. Uh, and, you know, with, uh, with the two co-founders, you know, I think we're going to start accelerating even ahead of closing the round. Uh, always open to partnerships. I mean, partnerships is fundamentally, we're very much eating our own dog food. Uh, we're already doing most of our marketing activities uh, with other brands. Uh, and, you know, if you look at intribe.co slash webinars, for example, you know, you see the other SaaS companies we're partnered with, but we're really partnering very broadly. So uh, somebody is out there targeting in particular SMEs and other startups, um, you know, we'd love to work with you. 
And then if anyone is in those categories that you just mentioned and they wanted to reach out, how can they find you online? Do you have a website, social media presence, an email address? Can they reach you by telepathy? Like how can people get in touch? <laughs> telepathy hasn't been working that great for me lately, but uh, uh, the website is intribe.co. So we don't have the .com yet. There's somebody squatting on that, um, but uh, intribe.co. Uh, and then, you know, quite simply, my email address is my first name, Sven, S-V-E-N, at intribe.co. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure, Matt. Thanks so much for having me.